This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. Obviously, we don't think we're playing great hockey. We, we've been fortunate to win, but that could be that could work both ways, right? Like when you're when you're not playing well and you're winning, you don't really address the problem in a lot of instances just because things are going well. Um, but I think internally we know as a team how well we can play. So we're, 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 there's things that we're trying to do to be better. This practice is a good example of intensity um, and getting back to work. Well, I think that's the hope. Alex Kalorn speaking yesterday, and the Lightning can't afford to get off to a slow start again tonight because if they do, the Calgary Flames will make them pay. It is Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I am Greg Lanelli. Along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Mishkin. Steve Versnick is our producer. Mish, good to be with you. We have a very special guest online. Yes, we do. Eric Francis, who's the uh, senior columnist and analyst with sports, that he knows the Flames inside and out. We are excited to have him on. But before we get to Eric, this is a big test, I think, for both teams. Because as we look at the standings, Calgary in first place in their division. Tampa Bay still one of the elite teams in the league. But I think for the Lightning's sake, they want to get off to a better start tonight for sure. Well, they can look at the first period goals for goals against for the Calgary Flames, and that should get them ready. They have the best yeah. goal differential in the first period in the entire league. And I think that there's a general consensus around the league that the team that has been playing the best over these past several weeks in the entire league has been the Calgary Flames. So this will be a test for the Lightning, and they are usually the ones coming in where the other team is saying this will be a test for us. This may be a test for both teams. Well, let's bring in our good friend Eric Francis here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Eric, great to be with you, bud. And, um, you know, 56 games in, 57 games in. It's nice to see this matchup, two teams that don't see each other a heck of a lot, and especially with the the lockdowns over the last couple of years, haven't really seen the Flames too much during that time. But this is this has the makings of being a, a pretty pretty big matchup tonight in the NHL. It really does. You know, I, you know, the Calgary Flames over the last month, month and a half, what I think they've won 16 of their last 19. I don't know. I'm losing track here. This is stuff that uh, you guys are usually talking about, you know, with these big runs. But uh, it's all very new to the Calgary Flames uh, using basically the same core they've had the last three, four years. But they've just figured it out under uh, uh, Daryl Sutter. And, uh, yeah, it's to the point where – you know, the last time these two teams met, the Calgary Flames were going through that murderer's row. Uh, they're playing Florida, Tampa, and then Carolina, who I'm pretty sure everyone would agree are probably three of the four best teams in the league outside of Colorado. And the Calgary Flames lost all three games. But it, And it was so – the consensus was Calgary Flames are – they're good, but they're not in that top tier yet. They're not ready to compete with the, the big, big boys. Tonight we're going to find out if they are because since then they've been on a – you know, they're the hottest team in the NHL. Yeah, that was actually my first question for you, Eric, because I remember a lot of the comments after the game against the Lightning, which had followed Calgary's game against Florida, where the Flames were saying much the same that you just said, which is we're not quite there yet based on how we matched up in these two games. Then they went to Carolina and lost that game as well. How have they elevated like, what has changed in your mind since that, that time frame in early January? Uh, you know, it's a great question. And, and, and I guess the best way to answer is just to say, like, everybody's chipping in. And, you know, like, even, you know, you guys are the gold standard, obviously, in the National Hockey League in Tampa. And 
And, and, and you, you know, you probably as observers of that team, you'd probably say, well, it's pretty rare that everybody's chipping in. Like there's always a line that, or two that are, you know, basically don't do a whole lot. They play their roles. Calgary Flames right now, I would argue they have the best top line in hockey, but they've had that all year long. Statistically, there's no line that's even close. I'll, I'll say that. And that'll shock a lot of people listening because they say, well, I don't even know who's on their first line. Uh, but it's, you know, Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau, and Elias Lindholm. Lindholm right now is the front runner for the Selkie as the best defensive forward. He's plus 45 right now, which is unheard of. Gaudreau is just behind him in the plus minus and is fifth in NHL scoring. And Kachuk is, you know, I think 15th in scoring. So, like, those guys are doing it all. And now they're getting support from their second, third lines, and their defense is rock solid. And then their goaltenders, uh, both goaltenders have been fantastic as well. So it's a rare moment in my life of covering this team for 30 years where I could say over the last month, there really is no weakness on this team. Eric Francis joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Eric, very few teams have a proven goaltender when it comes to the playoffs. Andre Vasilevsky is that guy for the Lightning. Is Jacob Markstrom, in your opinion, that guy for the Flames, or is that still a question mark heading into the playoffs? Yeah, like he's got to prove it in the playoffs, but I think his record over the last two, three years, the NHL <clears throat> suggests that he's an elite goaltender, and I think he's definitely proving that this year. But, yeah, I, I think that he has to prove it like everybody. You can be considered uh, almost elite, but until you do it in the playoffs, you're not fully elite, if that makes sense. So um, his numbers this year, I mean, I don't know where he's at. It's, uh, earlier in the year, and he might still be on that pace to break the NHL record for shutouts in a season. Like, it's, it's, it's in the modern era, I mean, before the forward pass in the 20s, you know, Tony Esposito had 15 shutouts in one season. Uh, Markstrom's, I think, still stuck at eight, so I guess he's not on that pace anymore. But the point is, you know, he's having a, a, a phenomenal season. His record's great, and uh, this team can depend on him every single night. I can't remember a night where he's had a really, really bad night. Well, when you look at where the Flames were kind of as a team last year, particularly before the coaching change, and then this year, it's a big jump in in goals against in that they are allowing fewer goals and Markstrom's numbers reflect that is that tied to Sutter like what has he brought that has helped Calgary defend better and keep the puck out of their net more yeah it's it's all about details and 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 uh, you know being on the right side of the puck like um he continually reminds us that for years the the mantra in this city was well let's just outscore the other team and he said that's proven conclusively in the history of the NHL to not work. He says you, you've got to be a good defensive team to have a chance. You know the old mantra, defense wins championships. But, you know, uh, he's, he's uh, got these guys believe, you know, understanding that if you take care of your own end first, uh, you'll have success. But, but they do it, but he hates the word defensive hockey. He, he says that's outdated. He says that's not applicable to this team. He thinks the term – like. The reason the Calgary Flames have been so good defensively is because of a relentless forecheck that keeps the puck on the other in the other team's zone all the time. And it's an interesting concept that I'd never really thought of or seen really too much in the NHL, but that's the way it is. If the puck's in the other team's zone, then they're probably not going to be scoring on you uh, at that point in time. So possession is the number one thing for the Calgary Flames. Their coach emphasizes the importance of possessing the puck. 
because if they have the puck on their stick, then the other team can't score. So that's that's the that's how he's got them playing better in terms of keeping the puck out of their own net. Eric, what did the Flames get with Tyra Toffoli? Are you surprised they made that deal maybe as early as they did, understanding the trade deadline is coming up here in about 11 days? Is this just about more depth scoring to protect them in case scoring does dry up from the big guns? Yeah, you know, it, it gives them depth. I mean, Tyler Toffoli uh, still has two years left on his contract, so this was a hockey trade. This wasn't a rental. Um, now, in, for the purposes of making a run this year, yeah, you could consider it, um, you know, like a trade deadline deal, but Tyler Toffoli is playing on this team's third line. I mean, that tells you how deep the Calgary Flames are right now. They traded for this guy, gave up a first-rounder, uh, top prospect, and uh, – and, 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 and they did it so that the guy would play on the third line. I mean, it, it really does harken back to when the, the, the Bolts traded for Coleman and gave up a first-rounder, and, you know, he played it much a secondary role, well, you know, second, third line, uh, and arguably, you know, the most important line for, for the Bolts when they were winning championships. So, um, you know, he doesn't play – he's not brought in like Coleman to be defensive-minded, but he comes with some size and – he comes with an ability to score goals. I mean, he scored seven in his 10 games here. It's pretty, pretty impressive, uh, you know, acquisition for a guy. They've got him on the second line now. They're moving him around. But at the end of the day, he's a depth uh, pickup. And, man, has it ever paid off early for this team. So, Eric, I have to ask this question. With all the positive news about the Flames, particularly over the last couple of months, this guy's numbers stick out like a sore thumb. Sean Monahan has eight goals this year. He's minus 15 on a team, as you just mentioned, has guys in the plus 40s. What has happened with him, and, and how is that possible on this team? You know, this is a perennial 30, 35 goal scorer, um, and uh, it, it is a mystery. All I can say, and I can't really quite put my finger on it, but he is a fish out of water. Like the other night, he was on for two glaring mistakes, you know, uh, it's, it's been a, the, the, his, the, the fall of his stock has been monumental. And I don't think anyone saw it coming because before this, for the last two seasons, he was considered to be kind of the, the model of consistency. Now two things have definitely happened and two reasons why he's not producing anymore. One is they took him away from Johnny Gaudreau and Johnny Gaudreau is one of the best playmakers in the national hockey league. And without that guy by your side, that's going to hurt your production. The other thing is in the offseason, he had uh, hip surgery. And uh, this guy's been banged up over the years. Every, after every season, he needs surgery somewhere. And hip surgery, I would submit to you, is, is a pretty significant uh, surgery. And uh, I think it's part of the reason why he's not quick enough anymore. And uh, I'm actually to the, it's actually to the point where I'm fascinated to see if his career in the NHL continues once his contract expires after, after next season. I'm not sure he's still an NHLer at that point in time. Um, like I, I hate to say that, but it, it's it's quite sad uh, how far he's fallen. Well, Eric Francis joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Eric's a uh, senior columnist, analyst with Sportsnet. We're going to use that for Lightning and Flames. You mentioned Johnny Gaudreau. He's had a tremendous season. What's been the difference for him, and what happens with Gaudreau beyond this year? Well, you know, I knew that you were going to bring the conversation down for Flames fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah, he's an unrestricted free agent, and uh, – I can't remember the last time a guy who was in the heart conversation 
was an unrestricted free agent for all 32 teams to bid on, but uh, pretty good place to be in if you're Johnny Goudreau. Um, you know, uh, he's just been uh, got incredible chemistry with Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm. Kachuk is just a brilliant hockey player, you know, and, and, and the, the creativity that this has allowed him to exhibit um, and the combination of having that great defensive center in Lindholm allows them both to, I'm not going to say cheat because, look, they're both plus 40-something, but it's just been, uh, it, 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 it's all come together for them to be that top line. And Gaudreau right now is playing as good as he's ever played in his life. He finished fourth in the Hart Trophy voting uh, three years ago uh, in his big breakthrough season. He had 99 points. He's, he's looking to shatter that, those numbers. And I do think he's in that Hart Trophy conversation. I don't think he's the front runner, but he's, he's there. So you guys will see tonight the creativity. You know, I'm not a big analytics guy, but there, if you look into the analytics on offense created by zone entries and all this sort of stuff, uh, he's number one in the league by quite, a, by quite a lot. And when he comes over the blue line, just keep your eye open tonight at just how dangerous he is. I'm not sure there's another guy in the league who, once he crosses that blue line, you don't know whether he's going to zigzag, pull up, do a drop pass, take a shot. Um, he's fascinatingly uh, creative, creative, and you'll see that tonight. Sounds like Kucherov, you know, a little bit. Guy, you don't know yeah. what he's going to do with the yeah. puck, but he's, he's dangerous, comparison. you know. Um, Eric, lastly, just when you take a look at the NHL right now, particularly in the West, and you had talked about some teams earlier and the teams that Calgary played that were considered the best of the bunch and maybe Calgary came up short, uh, let's assume you think maybe Calgary could be in that conversation. Has anything changed for you when you take a look at the West and some of those elite teams, maybe some deficiencies that are being exposed now that weren't there or vice versa? Well... I still think the gold standard in the West is Colorado. Uh, but again, the Calgary Flames went into Colorado on Saturday. And by all accounts, I wasn't there, but by all accounts, it was as playoff atmosphere as you're going to get in the NHL regular season ever, period. Fans knew it was a big test. And the Flames won that game. Like, they went into Colorado, got scored on 42 seconds into the game, and still came back and won the game. So that was a heck of a test for the Calgary Flames, and, and that's why I'm fascinated to see how they – you know, shake out tonight. But um, in terms of, you know, competition in the West, I, I do think it, those are the two division leaders, Colorado and the Flames. And I dare say, I, I, I think they're the two best teams in the West. Um, LA is still surprising me and everybody else in the league by staying just four points behind the Flames. Uh, no one could have predicted that. So I still don't, I'm not convinced that they have what it would take to make some noise in the playoffs, but who knows? St. Louis has been a real disappointment for me. I still think on paper they're as good a team as there is in the league, but we're just not putting it together. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm kind of meandering around the West right now, but uh, I don't – I will say this. There's a lot of parity in the West and a lot of – you know, wouldn't surprise me. Look at like a team like Edmonton. Um, I still think they're going to sneak into the playoffs, and with those two great players on that team, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a round or two. So the West is pretty wide open. Uh, but I still think the class is Calgary and Colorado. Well, Eric, enjoy the game tonight, bud. It should be a good one. We always appreciate when you hop on with us here in Tampa, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road for sure. Hey, guys, anytime. Thanks for the thanks for the uh, chat. Loved it. Thanks, you Eric. got it, buddy. Eric Francis joining us there from Sportsnet and uh, getting us an idea of this Calgary Flames team. 
and where they are right now. And it, it, it really does sound like, partner, that it's a team that maybe is, is playing well at the right time, but maybe they really don't have a ton of holes. Kind of like yeah. Tampa Bay. I think when you look at their roster, I guess maybe the one question would be, you know, is there a track record in the playoffs for a lot of those guys, a positive one, and specifically their goaltender? And the only way you're going to find that out is to get in there and do it. But at least on the surface and how they're playing in the regular season, this is a pretty deep team, top to bottom. Well, at the start of the year, they had some problems winning at home. They've corrected that. They just had a 13-game point streak at home come to an end on Tuesday. They lost in regulation to the Capitals. So... Daryl Sutter has said that he feels that he is seeing his team start to to get a little tired. They've been playing at an incredible clip, and as Eric mentioned, they've been really busy. They've been playing a lot. They had a lot of games to make up due to COVID, and they have a busy schedule down the stretch. So they're going to have to figure out a way to, to kind of refresh and recharge. Having said that, when everything clicks together kind of for the first time, and I feel that that's happened for the Flames this year. Last year, if you recall, they missed the playoffs, and, and Daryl Sutter came in midseason and, and tried to implement some changes, and I think they were moving in the right direction. But, but this year it has all clicked in, and when that happens, we saw it with the Lightning in various points, at various points over the John Cooper era. I think it happened in the 13-14 season, certainly, when the Lightning were all like, oh my gosh, you know, beating teams. <laughs> we're not supposed to beat these teams. We're winning these games and really carrying play. And there's there's a burst of enthusiasm that propels you forward. It also happened for the Lightning in terms of things clicking into place when they really figured out how they needed to adjust their game in the 2019-2020 regular season. I know you remember that stretch well, Greg, when they went 23-2-1, and and they yes. were just overwhelming teams. Correct. I think the Flames are, are having one of those segments. <laughs> they probably have had a good year. They definitely have had a good year all year. But I think really once they came back from that Eastern trip in kind of mid-January, it did seem to click in for them. Their first home game back after that three-game road trip where they lost to Florida, the Lightning, and Carolina. They actually lost to Ottawa at home. But then the next game, they hammered Florida. Hammered Florida. 5-1. And that was the first home game in the streak in which, and I said a 13-game point streak at home, it was 12-0-1. So they won 12 of those 13 games. The only game they lost was fairly recent, to Montreal. Montreal had an upset there. Montreal won in overtime. They played seven games during the Olympic break. They were all makeup games. They were all at home. They went 7-0 and in those seven home games. So what I'm saying is that the Flames almost like were able to hit the turbo button when, when things clicked into place. Now, can they maintain it like indefinitely to the end of the regular season? I think that remains to be seen, particularly if their schedule is going to start to tax them a little bit in terms of maybe their their mental freshness, which is something the Lightning players have talked about a little bit. But when you mention they don't seem to have any holes, I'm looking at their their main stat lines, and these are broad stroke stat lines, and of course they're for the whole year. So even when they kind of struggled a little bit at home, 
All of this is baked into the cake. But here you go. They're number two in team defense. So they're one of the better defensive teams in the league. In a, in an, in a year in which there have been more goals scored, they're number two. They're number five in goals in terms of goals scored per game. So that's top five in offense and defense. They're second in shots taken per game. So kind of what they were talking about, Daryl Sutter's talking about possession. Not only do they have a lot of possession, they are a shot volume team. They're averaging over 35 and a half shots per game, and they are sixth in fewest shots allowed per game. So not only do they take a lot of shots, they don't allow a lot of shots. Not only do they score a lot of goals, they don't allow a lot of goals. Their penalty kill is tied for third. And their power play is 11th, but it's still at 23%, which by any measure is an excellent percentage. So you look at all of those those numbers, and then you look at their first period, where their first period differential is plus 30. Right. Best in the league. They are just steamrolling teams. So I think the question is, do they have any weaknesses, at least right now? Because sometimes it's about execution too and if your your game starts to slip a little bit and they blew a two nothing to lead to Washington the other night yeah you know mistakes can start creeping into your game but there's no question from where they were before they went on this incredible run where they were like in good shape to make the playoffs they had some games in hand because they had COVID issues so that they had games to make up boy did they make up those games and cash in now they are right up there with Colorado like they are for sure making the playoffs Unless something drastic happens, they're winning their division, and they are in the conversation to to be a, a cup contender this year. Well, and let me be very clear, too, because we don't get a chance to see Calgary a ton, but we are aware of how their season is going. And when you have a team like this, the eyes are drawn to the star players. And listen, for the last couple of years before this year, we heard it all the way here in Tampa Bay Johnny Gaudreau wasn't himself. It could have been injuries. It just could have been a confidence thing. You take a look at the previous two years, Dave. 49 points and 58 points. Now, last year was in Still not bad, games. though. Still not bad, but Johnny Gaudreau yeah. is considered a— He had 99 the year before. Well, okay. 99 and 84. I mean, it looks like he's on pace to get into that 95 to 100-point range, and he's more in line with where he was as an elite player back in 2018 than he was as maybe a very good player— which was last year and the year before. Yeah. Keep in I, mind too, Greg, last year was 56 games. So that's those what I mean. point totals yeah, yeah, have yeah, to, that's what I mean. like you have to understand that he had fewer games For as sure. did everyone last For year. For sure. I think when you look at the Flames, you have that depth scoring. It looks like they have the goaltending tandem, specifically the number 1 guy probably in Markstrom as they head into the playoffs and to be that guy they ride. But I think you also need to have a dynamic first line. All great teams have a dynamic first line. And as Eric just said, their first line maybe is the best in the league. But Johnny Gaudreau is a big reason why. Yeah. And he's back to playing at a very elite level, and he is a playmaker. He's not the biggest guy, but he can shoot and he can pass. And I've got to think that is part or a big reason why the Calgary Flames partner are back to being at least a contending team and and a team maybe that can do some damage in the playoffs. Well, in that first meeting between the teams, which was Kucherov's debut January 6th at Amelie Arena, the Lightning won 4-1. It was a 1-0 game going into the third, and then Kucherov had that brilliant assist on Braden Point's goal early in the third 
to make it two nothing, and then I think the Lightning scored maybe goals on consecutive shifts to to pull away. But one of the things that struck me about that game was how well the Lightning defended against the Lindholm line. The Lindholm line had a fairly quiet game, which that was before they went on this like super hot streak during the Olympic break, but they were still a good team, the Flames, and the Lindholm Correct. line was still a really good line. I think Derek Wills came on with us. He's their radio voice before that game, and he called them the best line in the NHL. And so the Lightning, it was no small feat for them to to really keep that line quiet. That will be a big challenge tonight, for sure. Uh, the Stars just announced uh, Mira Haskinen has been diagnosed with mononucleosis and will be out indefinitely. Boy, that's a tough one. How about? He's such a key part of their team, and... I've never had mono. I don't know if you ever had it, Greg, but that's... I did. Okay, I mean, you can probably speak to it. It it seems like sometimes that can just knock you out for months. You know what it was? It doesn't always happen, but... It was my throat was on fire. It felt like you had strep throat. But the thing about mono is, at least when I had it, and this was a while ago, this was when I was in grade school, basically, I think it's your spleen becomes enlarged, and they don't want you to have any type of physical activity. So that's the thing. Like, you... So I, he I may think, start feeling better, but he may not be cleared to play if there's correct. a threat correct. to like an internal injury. And that could be a couple of months. I, I And that, obviously, he's going to be talking to his doctors about, you know, where he is and they'll run tests. But to me, it was more about internally some of your organs that become enlarged more so than anything like a sore throat or, you know, mm-hmm. a fever, if that's what you get in addition to some of the other symptoms. Stars have been playing well, too. They yeah. they have elevated into the wild card spot. Well, Jason one of the Robertson wild card spots. has been fantastic. Yeah, he really that, has. He's been good. Uh, I, I wonder if this question. changes the dynamic. Sorry, Greg, with Klingberg. Klingberg, that's too. a good point by you. That's yeah. a good point by you. Uh, because it sounds like they really wanted to deal him, and uh, maybe they don't. So we'll see how that plays out. We want to get to Nick Alberg in our next segment, but I think this question is a good segue into that before we take a break. This is from Al said, I got a chance to listen to yesterday's show. Intrigued about the number of goals scored this year. Wonder if there is a correlation between penalties or fear of taking one and why players are getting so many grade-A chances. Well, we'd have to look and see if the, the power play opportunity numbers are comparable with years past. I have a feeling they are. We've also seen that goal scoring is up, but also power play percentages are up. So... I don't know if teams are being more hesitant to take penalties and therefore giving up scoring chances. What we do know is teams that are taking penalties are not killing them off at the same rate as well. So so teams are scoring more both five on five and on the power play. You actually had some really, I think, good insight or at least you, you presented an argument that I think may have some teeth to it about the instability of the season with guys being in and out of the lineup. And that maybe has affected because really what we're talking about is how well are teams defending? And if they're not defending as well, then guys are getting more scoring chances and converting. I don't think it's that the scoring chance number league wide is kind of the same and guys are just like shooting the puck better. <laughs> like they're picking more corners. I mean, there may be a little bit of that, but usually if you have league wide 
goal production increases, it has to do with more scoring chances being allowed. And maybe it does have to do with the stability of the roster. Uh, the last thing I'm going to say about the Flames before we break and get to Nick, because it ties in with this. So the Flames missed a bunch of games due to the, the COVID outbreak they had in their team. Now, they did very well when they made up those games, like we just talked about. But what they have not had this year, they've not had to deal with really any players, any, maybe with the exception of one or two guys that have been out due to injury. So, like, what team do we just see? Winnipeg. Dennis Bayak was just talking about it. He said when Winnipeg had COVID problems, it wasn't enough that they just, like, postponed games and waited for everyone to kind of get over it. It was like two guys here and then another three guys here, and they had to play through it. The Flames didn't have that. Not only did they not have that, look at their games played. They played 56 games this year. Most of their top guys have played like 56 games or 55 or 54. They've stayed healthy, and when they had the COVID problem, they didn't have to play any games. And then when they made up those games, they won basically all of them. So does that mean that that is one explanation why their team defense is as good as it is? That they haven't had to deal with like fluctuating roster? I mean, that's probably not giving them enough credit and Daryl Sutter enough credit because they have defended well, both in terms of how they're defending and also possessing the puck, like Eric Francis was talking about. I just thought it was interesting. I feel that probably if you look around the league, the Calgary Flames are going to be number one or at the very least in, in the top couple of teams for fewest man games lost. That's luck a little bit, but you shouldn't apologize for it. And if your your team is healthy and you can make hay, do it, right? Do it. My And we're going to get to Nick here. You had me thinking about this, too, because when you look, I think part of this for me, too, we, we just talked about Johnny Gaudreau having kind of a quote-unquote bounce-back year. That might be, there might be something there with how many elite players have had, I don't want to say bounce-back years, but have gotten back to that really elite level. Think about mm -hmm. Steven Stamp Dave, think about Steven Stamkos. I think that's a prime example. Steven Stamkos is playing at a level... It was really good last year. I he might be beyond that this year. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there is the Evgeny Kuznetsov who's bouncing back and having a tremendous year. And if you look at the top scores right now, even the top 10, there are some guys there who were pretty good last year. Now, it's a shortened season. Yeah. But uh, it's almost like they've really elevated their play as well. So we'll get into that with Nick. It's something to think about, I, I think, as the season progresses. Well, listen to this, Greg, as I just looked at their roster. So the Calgary Flames have 10 players, 10, and this is including the goalies, so this is among the skaters, 10 players have played all 56 games this year. Then you've got one, two, three other players at 55. They've yeah. only missed one. Right. And Dylan Dubé is another at 53. So that's what, 14 players. 14! You dress 18 skaters. 14 of their 18 have basically played every single game. And you want to bump down to Nikita Zadorov, who's one of the regular defensemen. He's played 49. So he's missed seven. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. That they have, they have been able to run through the season like that. And when they hit 
it was more than a speed bump. It was like a roadblock. They didn't have to play any games as their guys were dealing with with what would have been COVID-related absences. Sure. And then they, they took advantage of it, of course, when they had to make up the games. No doubt. It's a good point. Well, let's get to Nick Alberga yeah. when we come back, and we'll talk about maybe scoring and where it is right now and any thoughts he has on the matchup tonight. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. Thanks to Eric Francis, who joined us at the top of the show. We'll get to some of your questions as well right after our interview with Nick Alberga on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner, host of The Block Party, and we've got Kelly Stedman this week. Kelly now works for the Community Hockey Development with the Lightning. She's a three-time IHF world champion, NWHL champion. She's got gold medals. We talk about it. I ask her where she keeps her gold medals. You won't believe that. If she gets starstruck by running into anybody around Amelie Arena, and just how much trash talking goes on in girls hockey. It's The Block Party with Seth Kushner, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Partner, it's interesting. Kristen Anderson, she is a beat reporter mm-hmm. for the Calgary Sun. She just tweeted out the line combinations for the Flames. I'm going to retweet that out so people can check us out on Twitter. Hit me up there, at Greg Linelli. Monahan's on the fourth line with Lucic. Yeah. That's incredible. Did you, I mean, was that eye-opening or... Ear opening, what Eric Francis said that maybe yeah, well, be we done. asked we had asked Derek Wills about Monahan. Yeah. I don't think his numbers were quite as starkly in contrast with the rest of the teams when when we saw the Flames in January. But he had mentioned the hip surgery. I'm not sure yeah. that he mentioned that he's missing Johnny Gaudreau as much as Eric Francis made it sound like. But look, it hasn't slowed the team down. But that's very unusual to see two guys on your team in the plus 40s and another guy in the same team at minus 15. Believe what you want to believe about plus minus because sometimes you get an unlucky minus and sometimes you don't deserve a plus when you get one. But a differential that much, I mean, in the neighborhood of a, a 60 differential, that's really strange. So does that uh, – look, and, and we don't know, and we're going to bring in here Nick Alberga. I'm wondering if his skating is just not where it needs to be. Like, he can't keep up. Yeah, well, if his hip the pace is play, bothering him. But we've seen guys have, have hip surgery before, like Braden Point. I know. Yanni Gord. I mean, I don't know if it's the exact same surgery. Yeah, but I don't know. they've been able to come back and be really effective, obviously. I don't know. And maybe, maybe our good friend Nick Alberga has an idea. Has of, he ever had hip surgery? <laughs> right, well, you know he is a he is a competitor when it comes to hockey. So I don't. Well, you gave us the first hand account on mono. I'm wondering if Nick can give us the first hand breaking account news. On, breaking news there. Thank surgery, you very much, but... Nick. How you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic. You had mono as well. I had mono back. Boy, I was in eighth grade. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I... I, I told I told Mish the biggest thing there was it, my my throat was really sore, but it was a matter of the spleen being enlarged where they didn't want any physical contact because that bad boy could have exploded and that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been a good thing was that the yeah, last time you played was that the last time you played spin the bottle greg it <laughs> <laughs> could have been actually <laughs> a cautionary tale right <laughs> sorry nick i jumped in there have you oh, had- no worries i good i was just gonna say we're referring of course to uh miro haskinen but yeah like i remember my days with mono i was same thing my uh 
My doctor wouldn't give me the uh, full bill of health. I couldn't go to school for like a month. It was it happened around 18, 19 years old, and I was in, in college and couldn't really enjoy life at that time. So I could only wonder what Miro Haskin is going through right now. Well, that's a good place to start then. We like having you on, Nick, to talk about you know league-wide topics and issues. What does this do to the Dallas Stars in their playoff drive as they've had a really good stretch? And what does this do potentially to them moving or not moving John Klingberg? Yeah, like uh, you know, to, to start with the Klingberg thing, like I, th- you know, they like to use that the the wording uh, own rental a lot in the Toronto market. In fact, they did it a couple years back. I, I think that is the likely situation that's going to play out with John Klingberg. I I think for a team like Dallas, who considers themselves on the bubble, considers themselves probably a playoff team, went to the Cup final a couple years ago. It wouldn't make much sense just to flip a guy because you know he's not re-signing with you. I think ultimately sometimes you have to make decisions, and I think the the wisest decision, especially now, guys, with the news of Miro Haskin, and I, as we just indicated, like he could be out two weeks, he could be out two months. You really don't know when it comes to mono and when things wrap up there. So yeah, he he's out indefinitely for sure, and I think that just that puts greater emphasis on on keeping a John Klingberg. I don't see that playing out where he goes elsewhere. Nick Alberga joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Speaking of moves, the Lightning and Flames take uh, the ice tonight against one another. We saw the Flames make a move for Toffoli not too long ago. Schuster gets claimed off waivers from the Ducks, but we know the Lightning are up against the cap. Nick, do you see these two teams really doing much more, if anything, come the trade deadline? Or do you feel like there's a guy out there that would make sense for either team? I think Calgary, for starters, uh, Greg's going to do something else. I mean, at this point, considering the season this team is having out of sort of nowhere, I think you you have to go for it. Like, and you have to go for guys who make sense. Like the you know the Coleman pickup made a lot or made a lot of sense in in, in the off season. Now Tyler Toffoli, I think he's been excellent, and obviously there's a, there's a fit there with the style of play and also who their head coach is and Daryl Sutter. I don't think the Flames are done. Uh, I think in a perfect world, they'd love to add some more depth scoring maybe on their third line so I could see maybe a guy like Arturi Lekkinen making a lot of sense for the Calgary Flames. I I think they're going to do their best to solidify their roster, and I think in a perfect world, they'd love to add a defenseman as well. Now, as for Tampa, guys, I mean, we've had this conversation uh, a couple times throughout this season. I you know, not that I think there's there's no stress on this team because they've done it in back-to-back years, but I don't think there's the need to go out there and make some bold addition, especially knowing that these guys, for the majority, know what it takes to get over that hump in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The fact that they have Andre Vasilevsky, Victor Hedman, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, all healthy. Uh, I would just be focused on the current roster, how to find a way to get Alex Kalorn going full-time, Andre Palak going full-time. Uh, I just don't... I don't think Tampa's in a position where they need to make a prolific move uh, to to put themselves apart from other teams here. Well, there may be some cap constraints for the Lightning to do anything. As Julian Breesbaugh has said, it's going to have to be, if it's dollars in, it has to be the same number of dollars out. But I do want to ask that same related question about cap constraints about Calgary because Calgary's not quite as tight as the Lightning are to the cap mm-hmm. where every dollar in has to be matched by a dollar out. But they don't have a lot of room now after adding to Foley. Do, do you see them having the capability to add a Lekkanen or one of these other guys? 
Well, Mish, I mean, that's the big reason why we haven't seen much activity in the last little while. I think teams are doing their best to accrue as much cap space leading into the deadline, uh, you know, as possible, which means and hopeful for all here in the NHL community that we get a lot of trades on deadline day. I mean, that's pretty much the only explanation I can give you. I, I think there's a reason why teams have capologists to finagle their way through. Um, maybe teams get creative. Like I know I've been preaching creativity around this league, uh, you know, very similar to what we see in the NBA all the time with three team trades, four team trades. I think there's a way to make deals to better your team. I just think GMs have to be a bit more creative, but you know, you add in the impact of the flat cap. That's why I think there hasn't been a lot of movement thus far. Nick, are there more elite teams right now in the NHL than we've seen the last couple of years? Certainly in the East, I think you can make that case. Definitely. Like, you know, right away when I look at the Eastern Conference, I think Florida's elite. I think Tampa's elite. Toronto, while they have a lot of question marks, I think they're elite. Carolina's elite. They're playing the Colorado Avalanche uh, tonight, potentially in a preview of the Stanley Cup final. You just never know. And then, well, the New York Rangers have an elite goalie. And then conversely, you look at the Western Conference, I think Colorado's elite. I think Calgary's elite. Those are probably the two teams that stick out for me. On paper, Vegas is elite, but they haven't been showing it. And I'm sure you guys have seen now some setbacks on Riley Smith and also Robin Leonard, their number one goalie, not to mention Max Pacioretty's banged up and Mark Stone, the captain's out of the lineup. So, yeah, there's a good chunk of teams that I think are legit and trying to win a cup this year, Greg. I'll say that. Well, I saw on your Twitter timeline, Nick, you're joining uh, Vegas station or, or crew yeah. later today so i want to ask you about vegas when the stone news came down they added eichel we were talking about it on our show i'm like look you know stone is going out but he's going out after having played like two-thirds of the season vegas is in good shape so we'll see if he's able to come back for the playoffs i'm not so certain now he may have been wrong about that i mean they are only a couple of points up on edmonton which is in ninth right now how much danger is Vegas in to potentially miss the playoffs? I, I think it's legitimate, uh, not to mention like what I just said, like Robin Leonard, right? Like the irony of the fact that Vegas uh, doesn't really have an option outside of Robin Leonard. With all due respect to Laurent Brassois, he's a career backup, and Logan Thompson's an AHL goalie. And, and so they're going to run with Brassois tonight. They're playing the Buffalo Sabres, the big Jack Eichel revenge game. But certainly... This has been a storyline throughout this season with Robin Leonard, guys. Like, he can't stay healthy, and it's unfortunate because the last little while, I think he's been really rounding into form. But certainly, I think you look at that roster, and I know injuries are a part of every team, but again, you guys know this in Tampa. It's just other guys need to step up. So you look at that Vegas roster, you're looking at William Carlson, um, you know, you're looking at Jonathan Marcheseau, who's been really, really good as of late. I think Shea Theodore has had an up-and-down season. Alex Petrangelo, so... Interestingly enough, it's the guys you're paying the big coin to. They need to step up in the absence of some of these marquee names. And I think Jack Eichel, quite frankly, has been pretty good thus far. But, um, you know, they're running into issues. And unfortunately for that team, if they don't make the playoffs, I think it means jobs are, are being lost here. He's the co-host of NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast. Nick Alberga joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. The Lightning are going to see Edmonton on Saturday. Does Edmonton get in? What do you like about that team? What don't you like about that team? Oh, my goodness. Like, this is a question I love tackling on a daily basis because it just seems like, Greg, every time I like to buy in on Edmonton, they they screw me. Like, even even the game last night. Like, what was that? Just just. Just close it down. You're up 3-2, and TJ Oshie scores with like a second left. You're forced to go at OT, and O. McDavid wins it. But 
it's the same old story. Like how many different head coaches do you have to go through to understand and comprehend that maybe you should go out and get a goaltender. Now I know it's easier said than done. I know every team in the league probably has you because they know you need a goalie. Uh, but there has to come a point in time when they're like, we can't, we can't roll with Mike Smith. We can't roll with Miko Koskinen. and Stuart Skinner is relatively new to this league. They need an upgrade there. And I just think the composition of the roster is off. So Every year that goes by, I think they're spoiling uh, two star, star players, generational talents, clearly. And I just, I really can't put my finger on what the Edmonton Oilers are because they had the initial boost under Woodcroft. Now they've come back to reality, of, uh, you know, a bit more. And as we've said, they're going to be fighting with the likes of Nashville and Dallas and the Vancouver Canucks are certainly surging right now in the Western Conference as well. LA's been a great story. And Vegas will be in that conversation. So if you're asking right now, like I, I, I don't know. I, I'm hesitant to say this team's going to make the playoffs, and especially as they've come out the last couple of weeks, Greg, and said that they're not getting a goalie. I think it's just a terrible mistake on their part. We spent a good portion of yesterday's show, Nick, looking at goal scoring around the league this year, and the stats don't lie. Goal scoring is up. The top guys are scoring more. I mean, Matthews is on pace to eclipse 60. But he's not the only one, or at least there could be more than one 60-goal scorer this year. It's not <laughs> out of the realm of possibility. The top-scoring teams are scoring more. But even like the lowest-scoring teams are scoring more relative to the lowest-scoring teams last year. And so it's a two-part question. Why do you think this is happening, and do you feel that it will continue through the end of the regular season and into the playoffs? I think it's a much more open game to, you know, start my answer on this question. I think speed is a factor right now, and I think teams are severely limited in the way they can react. Uh, you know, given the rules in this day and age, especially now with cross-checking pretty much taken out of the game, there's not much you can do. I mean, it's it's not a gritty game anymore until the Stanley Cup playoffs. And to answer the second part of your question, I do think it's a different game in the playoffs. Case in point, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews can have all the 50 and 40 goal seasons he wants, but I just think there's a switch that's flipped in the playoffs and teams are like, you know what, we're, we're vying here for 16 wins to hoist Lord Stanley and the mentality goes to the crest on the front as opposed to on the back because everybody's human. Like you, you all want your stats, whether you're in beer league or you're in the NHL, just a fact of the matter. I can't see everybody, but a good majority of hockey players and, and athletes in general. I mean, you are chasing numbers. You are chasing money. It's just a fact of the reality. Once you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think it's a different ball game. You guys have seen this with Tampa up in center the last couple of years and the way the team has really zoned in defensively. So I think it's got to be a bit of a hybrid. Like, I think you've got to be able to play a style that could be effective in a variety of different ways. That's why we've seen a lot of coaches this year. I know Colorado's one. The Leafs have been doing it a lot. They're giving different looks, guys, on a nightly basis, whether it be the power play uh, or the lines, even Toronto dropping Nylander back to line three and splitting him up with John Tavares tonight. It's a frequent thing because I think there's just so much scouting and game planning in this day and age that teams find tendencies so quickly, and that pretty much goes into my answer as well as to why the offense is so high because the scouting so damn good now. Lastly, uh, Nick, for me, as we get closer to the trade deadline, give me a couple of teams who you think are going to be pretty active, and which teams do you think are just going to start unloading some guys? So yeah, to to begin with, like I think you you ultimately look at the Eastern Conference, and I you know I think this is also a big reason why we haven't seen much activity because we've pretty much known the eight teams going to the Stanley Cup playoffs for like two months here, 
in the East. Uh, having said that, I, I think my team to watch for in the Eastern Conference is the New York Rangers. Uh, my expectation is that they're looking to do something substantial. Uh, I don't know if it's a Ben Chirot. I don't know if it's a Jacob Chikrin. Maybe they get involved in the Phil Kessel sweepstakes later in the day on March 21, around 3 p.m. Eastern. But my expectation is the Rangers uh, comprehend, guys, what they have in Igor Shostorkin, the type of season their number one goalie is having. And I think you you owe it to this team. You owe it to Artemi Panarin and others to go for it. And especially uh, how, how things are pretty much wide open in that Metro division. And, you know, everything we just talked about, the New York Islanders finding a way to get to the Stanley Cup final as well. Um, you know, in the conference finals, I should say, um, you know, you, you take your chances, especially with the goalie and the way he's playing there. So certainly in the East, I would look at the New York Rangers in the West. I, I don't expect much from Colorado. Like I, I wouldn't shuffle things too much because I think they have what it takes already. They're like sort of in a Tampa setting where it's like, you finally got to get across that hurdle and above that barrier to win in the Stanley cup playoffs. And it's all got to click and it's up to that team. Uh, the teams I'm watching for are St. Louis and Minnesota, um, most specifically, because I think the Blues are a really, really good team. Um, I wonder if maybe goaltending is something of concern for that team, and more so maybe defensively. I know they've been involved in the Ben Chirac conversation. I think every team pretty much in a playoff spot probably looking at Jacob Chicken as well. So those two teams, uh, you know, could use a defenseman, St. Louis and, and Minnesota. Now, conversely, I mean, the, the sellers were, were clearly looking at the Montreal Canadiens, I think names like Sherratt and Jeff Petrie or Terry Lekkinen. Um, Claude Giroux of the Philadelphia Flyers is going to be another one. There's there's rumors today, maybe even Travis Sanheim of the Flyers is out there who could be an interesting name. Arizona, I think, is going to deal some guys. And my wildcard team is actually the Anaheim Ducks, who I just don't see them in a scenario where they make a push for the playoffs. And I do think they... Uh, they become sellers over the next week and a half. So you're looking at names like Ricard Raquel and Elias or um, uh, Hampus Lindholm, I should say, on the back end and Josh Manson. So I do think there's some pretty good names out there. I just think teams are waiting for the dominoes to fall a bit here. Nick, outstanding stuff, buddy. Where can people check out your work? Yep. So at the Golden Muzzy on on Twitter, and of course I'm co-hosting the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast. We put a pod out every Monday and Thursday alongside Pete Jensen, um, part of NHL Studios, of course. And I'm also still writing freelance uh, for Sportsnet Fantasy Hockey, a couple articles a week. So I'm staying busy, guys. He's staying busy, and uh, we're keeping him busier coming on yes, tonight. And there, there's a revenge game tonight, Blake Coleman, and the Tampa Bay. <laughs> so I, I I expect you to tweet that out later today. Yeah, it's probably not the revenge game I'm looking forward to the most, guys. Let's be honest here. Come That's on, right. Jack Eichel Day. Take that shot at tequila. Enjoy it. Let's take that shot. I like it. Very good. All right, Nick. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. We'll thanks, talk to you Nick. soon. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Take care. All right. That's Nick Alberga, who sounded great, by the way, on that Skype. He did. Wow. Yeah. It sounded like a UFO was arriving and landing as he was making well, the connection. You, but anytime maybe Nick s- is living on a UFO. Well, Who he knows? might. Is there a revenge game? As long as he gets there? the NHL package, he can doo-doo. watch it. Anytime somebody uses Skype, you're going to hear that doo-doo, <laughs> doo And, uh, you know, every once in a while it, it uh, doesn't work. But that was great. And so we appreciate Nick coming on and uh, talking about maybe the trade deadline, what some other teams are going to be doing. Yeah, and we were able to ask him the two items of the breaking news with the Haskinen news and the Robin Leonard news. I'm so glad you brought up that with uh, Haskinen because yeah. that is that is a the, the Klingberg thing becomes interesting. It's pretty clear though, at least from what I'm reading. I, I, take that for what it is. I mean, it sounds like Klingberg just it's time to move on. Yeah, you know, and like and I maybe, understand what he was saying, like rent 
what did he say? Rent own. <laughs> I forget yeah. how he put it. Rent our own. Like we know yeah. he's on an expiring contract, but we're gonna we're gonna utilize his services and yeah. then say goodbye at the end of the year. But I don't know. I, I kind of got the sense that they want to move him if they could, because they know they can't bring him back. And the problem is that probably like a lot of even if Dallas is not a seller, the teams that are sellers are finding that yeah. buyers are not ready yet to add money. Well, every day you go without making a deal, that cap gets theoretically. You know, theoretically, it's, it's on the margins. You know, but I mean, Klingberg makes a lot of money, yes. so you know, saving like enough so you might be able to add an extra fifty thousand dollars prorated isn't going to cut it for for a guy who's you know not like a depth piece for example but i guess we'll find out we'll find out if the stars are able in fact to move him and if they can move him who gets him maybe that's a fit for the rangers because they do have cap space and the guys that nick was mentioning were defensemen right elliot friedman had speculated with jeff merrick on a recent podcast or a couple podcasts ago, he feels like Colorado, they're at the point now where they're going to go for it. Which like is this, not what Nick said. He actually feels they may yeah, stand pat. That but. this is their year that if there is a, enough, because there's been talk about, you know, would they get a Claude Giroux? You know, mm-hmm. a, young, a guy who can win some face-offs. Or, that is one area of Colorado's yeah. game. They are not a good face-off team, which is yeah. surprising based on the fact that they are one of the top teams in the league. So something to keep an eye on. I mean, look, we're going to be yeah. busy around that time, too. Um, so just, you know, kind of keep an eye on that. I wanted to get a couple of questions. Unless, Mish, there was anything you wanted to hit on that uh, also Nick Well, said, I or... do want to go on the record because I was go ahead. pretty do it. I was pretty direct when we had that conversation about Eichel returning and Stone going on long-term injury about, you know, Stone did what he could. Stone is hurt. Like, this isn't a question about cap shenanigans or anything like that. When we had this conversation, though, I was making the point that, first of all, let's hold off on any conspiracy theories until we see Stone come back for game one of the playoffs. And if that happens, it just like coincided perfectly with the situation where they could get cap relief. By the way, Jake Muzzin was the other guy we mentioned. He is on the road to recovery, so he would be returning if all things go the way, and that's good news hope. for him, that and is good, good for him. Yeah. But it's not a situation where they're like, "Yeah, Jake's feeling a little better, but let's just keep him on the shelf until the playoffs start." Right? Like when the player is ready to come back, the player comes back. Having said all of that, I was kind of operating under the assumption that Vegas making the playoffs was like a fait accompli, right? <laughs> like Stone had had. Stone had passed the baton to Eichel, and maybe he hung in there as long as he could. And he's like, all right, I just got to get this thing fixed. But now we have Eichel coming, so I'm going to go on long-term injury, and we can we can add Eichel's salary off long-term injury. Vegas may miss the playoffs. So that's my mea culpa at this point as we speak today. I was way too confident at the time that Vegas would be able to kind of cruise control essentially they were in first place at the time and the yep. flames have passed them but i'm surprised i'm very surprised that they are in the position that they are in and maybe it does come down to goaltending i don't know they have not had a good home record this year which is weird because they've been such a dominant team 
at T-Mobile Arena over the years. Anyway, I wanted to get that out. So if we still have time for questions, we can. No, it's a it's a good it's a good point. I wouldn't uh, not that you're beating yourself up over, but sometimes you know it's it's hard well, to gauge I say how something's going to react, air, yeah. and it proves to be a little shakier than when I said it. I at least want to acknowledge that. All right, I, I haven't. I haven't been in that situation yet in all my years. <laughs> no. Right. no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Chris says, guys, any thoughts on the special teams? Is it just me, or does it feel like we've been giving up way too many shorthanded chances while we're on the power play recently? Well, they gave up a doozy in Winnipeg. Yes. I don't know if the Chicago, Chicago had a lot of chances. I'm not sure that they came when the Lightning were on the power play. I will say this. like The power play has done pretty well. Lightning are over 20%. I mean, I think since Kucherov has come back, it hasn't always looked like a well-oiled machine, but it's been fairly productive and consistently productive. But that shorthanded goal is not a function of kind of something systemically wrong. Like the power play is just not like churning up chances against. That was a weird situation off a play the Lightning make many, many times over the course of a game when they have their breakout on the power play and – you know, the stars were crossed for them, and they aligned pretty well for Kyle Connor on that one. Lastly, Al, getting back, says the current roster is what the Lightning intended to start the season with. Is it good enough to win another cup? If JBB decides to make a move, will Palat and Rutsa, both unrestricted free agents, figure in on the move? Dollars out for dollars in. Well, this is just my opinion, Greg. They're not Al. trading Palat. They're not yeah, trading like, Palat. if you're going to move somebody out, you don't want to have it affect the chemistry in the room. This is a very tight group. So I think that that is a consideration. There's no way. I, I will, I will answer the question this way. The roster is good enough to win another cup, but the roster needs to play to its standard. And they haven't done that. I think they acknowledge that. They I will say be this. I will say this. And this is a big if, because I don't know what they're going to do with the trade deadline in terms of bringing somebody in. And I have made it known that I think depth on defense at this point makes more sense than addressing the forward position. Although if they do that, that's fine. They know the team better than I do. If they really want to dangle a player from this roster without hurting the chemistry of the team, I I don't think it's going to be one of the players he just mentioned. I think it'll be a younger player who's been in and out of the lineup that can bring in somebody without really hurting the core group of that roster. Yeah. Maybe I'll get into specific names as we get a little bit closer, but in fairness to everybody here, I think you can kind of read between the tea leaves here. I'll say um, this though, Greg, if it's yeah. a younger player who's in and out of the lineup, that's not a lot of money going out. So it's not. The money it's you're not. bringing in is also going to be low or you're going to have to figure it's out not. a way to be creative. I think that's why when I say depth defensemen, those guys typically don't cost a ton. And I understand the Lightning are up against the cap, but I, there, I think there is a better way to deal with a situation like that than there is, well, let's go out and get Klingberg. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. and you're really going to have to move several pieces. So we'll see how that plays out. As we get closer, we'll be all over it right here on Lightning Power Play. It was a fun show today. We had a couple of guests. We typically don't do that, but we thought it was relevant today. Chris Johnston, by the way, from Sportsnet. You want to talk about best in the business. Mm -hmm. He's one of them. He's going to be joining us tomorrow on the show. So we're going to recap this game, and we're going to talk to Chris about so many other topics around the National Hockey League. Thanks to Eric Francis and Nick Alberga for today. Thanks to you for listening. We've got the game tonight. We've got 8.30 pregame, 9 o'clock the game call and partner, it's you and Chief tonight. Yeah, correct? you gonna have your cup of coffee ready, or is that 
No, I, Only I, for the 10 o'clock starts, <laughs> which we got some you know of those what? coming up. You know what? I got my cold brew. I'll get my cold brew ready. Your cold brew. Yeah, you like some the, cold brew. You like the cold stuff. Yeah, it's got a little taste I'm more of the hot coffee you drinker, are. I guess. You are. Maybe as but. I get a little bit older, I'll go, I'll go hot. Yeah. That's just how it is. Hey, guys, Talk we just to got tonight. this in, too. Boris Kachuk is going to Syracuse on a conditioning assignment. So, Ooh. He's out of COVID protocols, obviously. Good for him. Good. So he's, that he's is good for there. him. He can play. And Who knows? Maybe he'll be able to join the team later on the road trip, too. That's right, because we got back-to-back games Saturday and Sunday. So who yeah. knows? We'll see how that plays out and then finish up in Seattle. All right, we've got the game tonight. Partner, I will talk to you in a few hours. Take a nap if you want. Steve, thank you for all your hard work. And thanks to you for listening. I'm Greg Linnell. It is Power Lunch on Lighting Power Play.